One of my favorite poets, Mary Oliver, has these few but important instructions for living life. She wrote, instructions for living a life. Pay attention. Be astonished. Tell about it. The thing I love about the season of Advent is that it calls us to see and hear differently, to pay attention in a new way, to be astonished and to share it. The truth is, I think, is that God never tires of offering us new ways to be amazed, to say, wow. God never tires of offering us opportunities to begin again, to experience the privilege of being alive, to catch glimpses of the kingdom that is already in our midst and yet we know is not yet here in its fullness. This Advent, we have been exploring how this heavy, sometimes tragic and weary world can rejoice. We acknowledged our weariness as we explored the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah, so many years without their greatest wish, a child. And when both Elizabeth and Mary experience the miraculous inbreaking of the divine in their pregnancies, we celebrated the joy that comes from authentic connections to each other and community. In fact, Luke's nativity story is rife with awe and amazement. In every story, we are meant to be astonished. Not only in the story of these ancient women, but about what it can mean for us as we ponder our own stories. And we wonder how this story is ultimately the fulfillment of God's ancient promises to turn the world upside down. Which brings us to this morning's passage, Mary, an underage Palestinian peasant girl who is living under occupation, Roman occupation, amidst an explosive political climate. Well, she has found herself in, well, a situation. She has heard some astonishing news, news that could bring her heartache, news that somehow the child within her would bring about some sort of salvation for her people. News that somehow God would use this child still growing within her to amaze the whole world. I imagine Mary, after the angel Gabriel's visit, wondering if it all could be true. Could God really be doing a new thing through her? And so Mary, instead of being fearful or weary, takes Mary Oliver's advice. She pays attention. She is astonished. And then she tells about it. In fact, she is so overcome with emotion at the prospect that she breaks out in song right there in Elizabeth's living room, praising God in amazement and recalling all that God has done and will do in this wonderful passage we call 
the Magnificat. A reading from Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowly state of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Indeed, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of his child Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me? O oh God, as our pace quickens with more preparations to make than time in which to make them, slow us down. Remind us that there is enough time for what is important. As you came to Mary, startling her with unlikely news, so, O oh God, startle us this morning with the news of your coming into history, into our lives, with love and reconciliation and renewal. Help us to allow ourselves to be amazed again. And help us, O oh God, to hear it all again, as if for the first time. Amen. I don't know about you, but shortly after Halloween, my ability to stay on top of things begins to unravel. As the days get shorter, and it gets harder and harder to meet all the demands of each day or even the previous day, as the things left undone begin to accumulate just as the daylight diminishes and the news of the world gets bleaker and bleaker, a kind of lethargy can set in. So when the first candle of Advent is lit and the tree goes up, and the voices of Advent sing out across the church, it often feels like the most graceful invitation I have ever heard. Advent calls us to wake up, to pay attention, to take this fresh opportunity to become the person, the people God intends us to be, to try again to be guided by love and mercy, to crave justice, to be present with one another, and to live fully awake to God's presence. Advent is a busy time for, in the life of anyone, let alone a pastor. A colleague of mine tells a story of the time she ended up in the hospital, the last place she ever wanted to be during the weeks leading up to Christmas. But this year, her body decided otherwise. Now, as you know, a hospital is not a haven of quiet and rest. It is anything but a peaceful place. 
She had a roommate who smoked in the bathroom and turned the lights and TV on in the, in the middle of the night with no regard for her roommate's feeble attempts to sleep. Across the hall, an elderly woman with no idea of where she was, howled in pain and cried out for help at least once every three minutes, day and night. And often without warning, a code blue would send emergency personnel and crash carts racing down the halls. And there was the ever-present beep, beep, beep of the IV monitors and heart machines and the loud conversations of medical personnel and visitors who don't realize how loudly their voices echo off hospital walls. One night as she lay in her hospital bed, hooked up to so many machines she couldn't even move without help, and close to tears from the pain and frustration, she heard a faint sound. Amidst the cries of pain and the blaring TVs and the beeping monitors, she swore she heard a different type of sound altogether. A faint, soft, sweet, and gentle song. Then it was gone, just like that. She wondered if she had imagined it. But a few hours later, still awake and trying to block out the sounds of the woman wailing across the hall and the loud, angry voice of her roommate swearing into the telephone, she heard the strange, beautiful sound again. So when the nurse came in to check her vitals, she asked her, is it me? Or was there indeed a very different sound breaking through the harshness of that place? Oh, the nurse said as she wrapped the blood pressure cuff around her arm. It's a tradition here. Every time a baby is born in the nursery, they play Brahms lullaby on the loudspeakers. A lullaby on the loudspeaker, floating through the harshness of those halls, a lullaby. And right then, she said, for the first time since she had come through that emergency room of that hospital, she smiled and she felt hopeful. She felt a sense of peace a lullaby on the loudspeaker. A baby is born, how about that? During the remaining time she spent in the hospital, she listened for the sound of that lullaby. Amidst the horrible sounds of pain and misery that surrounded her, she strained to hear a sound of hope, of life, of new beginnings. A lullaby on the loudspeaker. A child is born. She couldn't help but think of another lullaby, which broke into the sounds of a night nearly 2,000 years ago, bringing good news to all people. We must pay attention because the lullaby of good news that breaks into the world cannot be seen with the eyes or heard with the ears or perceived with the mind. It must be deeply understood when we stand awestruck and astonished. Breaking through the ordinary sounds of life and death 
is the rush of wings, the stumbling steps of shepherds, the soft cries of a baby, the sound of God singing to the world a lullaby to announce the birth of his son, Emmanuel, God with us. Sometimes when we pay attention, unexpected joy and hope breaks into our poor manger places, making them holy straw. Friends, when the heaviness of the world threatens to close in on you in a world where we long, long for peace, but it never seems to come, when it's all you can do to check off your to-do list, trees and lights up, check, cards sent, check, gifts purchased and wrapped or sent, check, cookies baked, Meals planned, check and check. When all you can do is put one foot in front of the other, I invite you, I invite us, to take a moment to look up, to look around, to allow ourselves to be amazed, to allow awe and wonder to seep into our hearts. And if you are lucky enough, to have a child in your life, I invite you to experience this season through their eyes. I love the story about the seven-year-old boy who was recruited to be in his church's live nativity. When he came in from the cold, he was asked how he liked being a shepherd in that nativity scene. He said, it was okay, but I think next year I want to be a pirate. One young mom decided to turn off the screens in her household during Advent, and every morning over their Cheerios, she and her preschooler would open a door in their Advent calendar and talk about whatever came up, the wise men on their journey, the star in the sky, the mother on the donkey, and they began to read Christmas-themed picture books. They baked cookies and made paper chains for the tree, and they set up their creche, arranging the stable animals in anticipation for the arrival of baby Jesus. But one day when she was potting the last of the jam, her son disappeared from the kitchen. She heard him rummaging through the ornaments. And minutes later, he came back, standing beside her, a solemn three-year-old, holding a stuffed heart that he had taken from the tree Mommy, he said somberly, pretend I am Gabriel. Okay. Kneel down, he instructed her. She obliged, and she and little angel Gabriel were face to face, inches in front of the stove. Mary, he addressed her, you shall have a son. And this, he held out the plush red heart, this is your holy You must carry your holy with you always, Mommy, so that Jesus will know that he is holy too. She looked at this heart offering, resting in her hand, and thought, what to do with hot coals of a prophet? 
She slowly got to her feet and realized that perhaps for a moment, her son had seen heaven and had offered her a glimpse. She mused as she looked at that heart that her world doesn't involve a lot of angel sightings. But her world as it is also didn't leave much room for wonder either. Somehow her young son was far better attuned to the ways in which the sacred speaks. Lest you become like children, you won't enter, enter the kingdom of heaven. She thought, who deserves such breathtaking moments? Certainly not I. Satisfied as I was with a season of reduced consumption and expanded calm. But holiness, holiness is wilder and less easily corralled, vaster than the picture books and the recipes. It erupts into the mundane order of our days and reveals whatever inside us is on intimate terms with the divine. This was what her son had been trying to tell her. God needs our witness to the holy, needs us to uphold the sacred in creation. Without our tangible gestures, our rituals and icons informed by faith and wonder, we, are, we, are, we tend to become mired in the realm of cold common sense and rationality, and we become estranged from mystery and wonder. Friends, in this holy season, let us keep our eyes open for the divine that is often disguised in the mundaneness of our lives. Let us embrace mystery when we encounter it. Let us sing as Mary did in the midst of struggle. Let us magnify God's love with the wonder of God's promises. The great rabbi Abraham Heschel once suffered a near-fatal heart attack, and when a friend visited him soon after, he confided, Sam, when I regained consciousness, my first feelings were not of despair or anger. They were of gratitude to God for my life. And he went on, I have never asked for success. I have only asked for wonder. Heschel lived, and in one of his writings, he said, our goal in life should be to live in radical amazement, to get up in the morning and look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible. Never, never treat life casually. Friends, I believe this world is full of wonders. So give us this day, O oh God, wonderment and awe and amazement. Poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning wrote, Earth is crammed with heaven, and every common brush a fire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest of us sit around and pluck blackberries. So not only in this season, but every season, and every day, and every moment, 
let us heed the advice of Mary Oliver, the instructions for living a life. Pay attention. Be astonished. Tell about it. Amen.